Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey guys, I'm Andy Baldacci, and thanks for joining me for episode number 12 of the Agency Advantage Podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Robert Williams of Let'sWorkshop.com. Robert's dream job coming out of art school was to join an agency. But once there, he realized he didn't have the freedom he had hoped for and went out on his own. Freelancing gave him that freedom, but it took him years of trial and error to reliably find clients. After overcoming those struggles, he realized that he could help other freelancers and agency owners with this, so he started his lead gen service, Workshop. In today's talk, Robert lays out not just how you could recreate his service and find a steady stream of leads, but also how you can write emails that actually get read and get your agency hired. So without further ado, here's Robert. So Robert, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. For people that don't know you, aren't familiar with what you do, can you just uh, give a little bit of background, kind of your personal story? Yeah, I'm a designer by trade. Uh, I went to an art school for that. Out of art school, I worked at an agency uh, for a while, a, a design agency, a, a kind of an advertising agency. Then I op- I started up my own business, kind of tailored to helping freelancers and freelance designers, freelance developers, and agencies find work online. And so what, basically what that is, is a, it's, it's called Workshop, and it's a, a lead generation service where I, I basically go and find all these different projects online, project opportunities online on different job boards and on different uh, websites, and I send them to my, to my, to my clients, to my, to my customers. And so every day, agencies kind of they, that are my customers get to wake up and, and have kind of a hand curated list of, of different freelance leads and, and consulting leads that um, they can respond to and kind of helps them keep their pipeline busy. And it's kind of a hand curated process. So it, they don't have to worry about like, you know, full time jobs getting mixed in with it or like low quality stuff. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the gist of it. When you left art school and you joined up at the ad agency, was it what you expected it was going to be like, or how, how did that kind of jive with what you were thinking working for an agency would be like? Yeah. Agency was my dream job. Like working at an agency, I'd all of art school. That was my, my kind of my goal. Uh, I'd worked on my portfolio for that. I'd gone to a bunch of interviews. And then once I finally worked at one, it was really fun. And it was like a blast to hang around with, with all these different designers and stuff. But, uh, just not having the control over my own, destiny, so to speak, and not being able to kind of have input in certain areas, like dealing with clients and even even some of the business stuff I, I, I kind of wanted to get into or thought I, I knew how to do stuff. Um, and I wasn't really getting that opportunity. So that's when I kind of opened up my own business. At first, it was just a freelancing business, uh, consulting business where I did design, but it evolved into this, into once I started having trouble finding clients and realized there was an opportunity to help freelancers in that area, that's when I started the kind of the lead generation service. When you, when you went out on your own, what was that like? Like when you had to find your first few clients, how did you kind of figure out this lead generation on your own? So what I did at first was kind of the same thing I, w- I had been taught in art school, which is like work on my portfolio all the time and send potential clients my portfolio and in order to do that, I had to find clients and that 
kind of was the first stumbling block for me. It took so long for me to find all these different opportunities online, um, whether it was a job board or like Hacker News, you know, seeking freelancer threads or like, uh, you know, even in in my network, sometimes it it can take a while to get stuff showing um, and it's kind of time intensive. And so that's what kind of the experience was for me was like, I knew that there was these opportunities out there, but like actually going and getting them was kind of time intensive. And once I got in front of them, not knowing what to say was sort of an issue because I was taught like to focus on my portfolio so much. I I would often just send my work over with like and say, you know, kind of the classic mistake freelancers and even agency owners do, which is like they just talk about themselves in an email. Um, that's, but that's a lot of what I was doing at first and not getting the like very good results. You're kind of just basically figuring out on your own. These are things that aren't taught in school for the most part, art or business school. They don't really talk too much about, Hey, this is how you pitch someone. This is how you find them. This is how you do all that kind of the nuts and bolts thing. And so how did you figure it out on your own? Was it just trial and error? Were there any resources you found that helped like, Hey, this is a better way of doing it or what was that process like? There were resources, um, but they were, they were very few and far between. I would say um, one great resource I, I ran into was uh, Mike Montero's design is a job. It's a book that uh, I think it's called like a book apart series. And then there was uh, Brennan Dunn had double your freelancing rate. That was kind of new at the time. And he's just been making it better ever since. So those two things I think were really key in kind of shifting my mentality of how I was I was contacting these people and kind of emphasizing different things um, in addition to like the trial and error and just realizing, you know, this isn't working. So when was it that you launched Workshop? Uh, that was in November 2013. OK. And so Workshop, I, I know you, you did a little bit of an intro on it, but basically like you send kind of a recurring stream of potential clients to your subscribers every day. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And so who is it for specifically? Consultancy owners. So designers, developers, I would, I would classify like a freelance designer as a, as a freelance design consultancy owner, um, a freelance developer, you know, um, or, or design and development shops that, that do both. That's mostly who it's for. There's occasionally other stuff like writing gigs that come in, but for the most part, you know, the the design development marketing agency shops that that um benefit the most from the leads that I find. Yeah, so I see you say, yeah, if you can produce designer code at any level, you can make a lot of money from the leads I send. So that yeah, that makes sense for the design and the devel- development. But you also say um don't sign up if you don't have a process for emailing leads. And why is that? the the main stumbling block of not have not already having a process for emailing leads would be that you just don't do it because you don't have the process so that's like probably the biggest mis- biggest mistake i see i see people doing is like they just don't uh send an email at all like they dis- disqualify themselves by not even giving themselves the opportunity of get you know getting in, into the inbox or into the the position to land a client by, by not emailing them. So I think having, having kind of a process in place and a system for how you're going to contact people is probably key to actually contacting people. So, so that's what kind of that means. I know a lot of kind of, especially freelancers, but even when, when freelancers make the transition into starting an agency and growing a bit and even kind of established agencies, a lot of times 
they'll scram they'll find themselves like the sort of the future famous cycle where they're scrambling to find clients when the work dries up and so in those cases you're saying that most people they should be sending more emails right yeah yeah that's actually some advice i give to to my customers is once they start seeing results in workshop and they start landing the clients and they have they're they're booked their their schedule is kind of booked out a little bit for a few months um they'll come to me and be like well you know, now what? Like, I don't even need to contact these these leads anymore. And that's when I usually say, like, no, this is actually the t- the best time to co- to be emailing leads and and contacting uh, new opportunities and filling your sales pipeline is because now you have the you know bargaining chip of like being able to walk away. So you can right. You don't need them right then. Yeah, that's when you can kind of level up uh, the the clients you work for because. Uh, you do have that power, and and um, so I find like that's the best time to keep going, and that's exactly why the feast or famine consulting happens. It's because when we have work and and when our our schedule is looking good, we're not doing like the outreach or the you know the taking the steps it takes to to make sure that the the famine doesn't hit. So. Right. And then when it when it does hit you, people have nowhere to go. Like, oh, how do I find the next client? Like, what do I need to do to to get that? Yeah. Like with any relationship, um, if if it goes cold or if if you don't keep exploring different things, like it's going to be hard to just jump start it again from from, mm-hmm. from scratch. And so for the typical like agency owner, consultancy owner, like what do they usually do instead of sending emails when that famine hits? Like even just personally with me, like I used to work on my portfolio a lot, um, and I, for some reason I thought that would like my website w- working on that was like gonna help me get clients, um, and that's kind of tough because if no clients are viewing your portfolio or, or anything like that's probably probably not gonna end up happening. But I also see like different marketing channels that aren't quite so direct get uh, a lot of time spent on them, like blogging or, or Twitter or you know social media. Um, and I've always found like trying to get as direct like with with uh, consultancy or with consulting and agency work, um, you only need a handful of clients, right? Like that's kind of the whole the whole idea the whole business model that that's kind of different about freelancing is you don't need thousands of different clients and users and paying you know all you need is is maybe a handful maybe ten twelve and you're set kind of for for a good chunk of your time so. I think using that to your advantage and trying to go more direct with your with your marketing, if you want to call it that, I call it like email outreach or whatever. Um, I think is is brings you a bigger return and and makes more sense for the type of business that that you know an agency has. I've had people on the show that have done very well with all the alternatives that you mentioned, but the one thing I think a lot of people overlook with the kind of more direct outreach is that. You, you like you said, you don't need thousands and thousands of clients. You, for the most part, even an agency with a small and growing team, you you only need a, a handful at, at most of, of clients, and so you can start doing more targeted efforts. Whereas, like a blog post, you can target it to your ideal customer, but you're still speaking to a wide audience. But with like emails, you can cater that to just a specific person and make it as personalized as possible and get better results from that. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a great point too, is, is the, you can, you can afford to kind of spend more time on, on personalizing it and, and increasing your chances of, of really connecting with somebody because like this customer isn't worth a hundred dollars to you. Like maybe a SAS app would cut SAS apps customer might be 
this customer instead is worth, you know, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of, you know, the time you're going to be working together. So why wouldn't you spend a little extra time, you know, really connecting and, and building a relationship up front? Um, and that's what I see, like the people who subscribe to workshop and like just kill it. Um, they're more focused on the long-term approach of look, like, look, I built this business for myself because I wanted to do business like a different way. I didn't want to be a sleazy marketer or whatever that, you know, I wanted to kind of connect with people and do, do an authentic thing. Like, I feel like that's a, a, a strong reason people uh, start a business. And so if you take that long-term approach and just say, I'm going to actually try to help these, these leads, you know, um, not only do you see better results, but I think it's more, it's more fulfilling and it's a better, better way to do business because it's, it's a long-term kind of, or I, I hate the term organic, but organic way to kind of do it is just like building it up, you know? Right. And so when you first started workshop, like, did you immediately know people suck at sending emails or what, what did you think? Like, was it something that you slowly figured out or how'd that process go? Well, the process kind of went from like customers being like, Hey, I'm not hearing back kind of regularly. And so that made me think, Hmm, I wonder why they're not hearing back. And so I had, I did kind of a sneaky thing where I, I told them, look, I'll review the emails you're sending and kind of give you feedback on that. If you just BCC me on like the emails you, you send to these leads. And so I ended up checking out like thousands of different uh, replies that they were sending. And I would say a good 90 to 95% of them were pretty terrible. It's just basically uh, emails that were like, you know, subject line. I'm a freelancer, you know, body, like <laughs> right. check out my work. Here's, here's a website. I'm interested, you know, just, just stuff where they could easily send this to any client in the entire yeah, world. Sort of the, the sort of like the dear sir or madam. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, instantly, like I, I started working with, with them and telling them like, look, look, n- no, this is not going to work because everybody's sending this to them. Like if, if a client has posted it on a job board, they're receiving 10 identical emails just like this. Like you, you have to be able to connect with them in, on a different level. Um, and so we started working on, on that. And as soon as um, people started changing like these, these emails a little bit and customizing them and really doing a little bit of even just a tiny bit of research about the p- person they were emailing, uh, instantly they started seeing their response rates just, you know, go up and getting replies and start landing more work. And it's just funny, like 95% of people just send the exact same email. They make the exact same mistakes. Right. Cause they, they almost, they're like, they hear so many times like, Oh, this is a numbers game. So that means I don't need to put in the effort. I just have to send a bunch of these and then I'll get some work. Yeah. I definitely think that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Right. But it's like, and that's the thing, it's like, I feel like, and I know you said it before, it's like, it's not necessarily a numbers game, like it's really being consistent and being deliberate about what you are doing. Yeah, and and I think like, if it is a numbers game, like for you, the number is one, like you need one client, like, <laughs> right. so so focusing in and making that one-to-one connection is, is, I think, a good idea. Yeah, and so once you started helping people with their emails, and then, um, was that when you wrote your book? Yeah, exactly. That um, the book basically came from me copying and pasting my the emails I was the the advice I was giving my my customers and pasting that into a a PDF basically, 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and just so people know, the book is emails that win you clients. Yeah, emails that win you clients. Um, you can if you go to emails that win.com, you can check it out. Um, and it's basically, you know, all the different best practice uh, advice I was giving, you know, these hundred, two hundred freelancers and agency owners. Uh, it covers all all of the uh, the the tricks, I guess you can call them, to to emailing and coming off very personal um, and avoiding the the, the mistakes that ninety percent of the the freelancers make. Yeah, and so just so people that are listening don't think this is like kind of some academic textbook where it's like this diagram and flowchart of like do this, then that, then this. It's like I it, it's very it's written in like an easy to read way. It's funny and like I can almost picture you like sitting there like furiously typing like stop doing this like <laughs> yeah but no. I mean honestly like e- writing emails is probably not my favorite like topic in the world um, and that's why like it's I think you can read it like maybe 30 minutes it's like a super short condensed book um, and it's just kind of the 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 bullet points of like do this and you're gonna get more more responses like I don't think it, it needs to be any more complicated than that right like next yeah, I, I bought it probably a little over a year ago and, and when i read it yeah, it's a quick read but like the value is definitely there because these are things that if you're doing any email prospecting and you probably should be then like a few changes can make a big difference and i think that's something that it's one of the things that people do so often sending emails but spend so little time actually thinking about how to do it better yeah thanks i appreciate that no, and so it's like it's once you can kind of make improvements there, you you the rewards come not necessarily quickly, but but you see them because you do it so often. And so, what do you think kind of the biggest mistakes that people make with email? Like, what really is holding people back, other than the generic kind of like, don't just copy and paste the same thing to everybody? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think there's a couple things. Um, first of all, I think the subject line is really important because. Um, most of the time that's what's going to decide if they read the email or not. And if they decide like, no, this is spam, I'm just going to, you know, archive it or whatever. Um, so I think showing that it's not spam in the subject line is really important. Like if I got an email that said, Hey Robert, um, I want to help you edit emails that when I found a typo, like I'm definitely going to read that because I know that they at least took the time to, you know, read my book or whatever it is. So something like that, like if it's if you're reaching out to an to a project, you could say like, um, you know, I, I want to help you increase your conversions or or whatever it is that the goal of the project is, um, in a way that, that that will resonate with them so that they know like this person at least read read my job post. And then the other thing, the other couple things are, um, the length of an email. Like, don't send one sentence. You know, it takes more than one sentence to be able to uh, connect with somebody. Um, and it takes – it also – nobody wants to read a encyclopedia on like whatever it is you're emailing. So also keeping it under under maybe 200 words or something, something in that range um, I think is a good idea because people are busy and they don't have time to go through everything and they just want to get to the point, right? So No, and I think that's right because it's like – but some people go too far in the other direction, like you said. It's like, don't send one sentence because you still need to make it clear what's going on. Like, you don't say, "Hey, respond to your posts about the job," 
like then they're like okay now what do i do like you if you the shorter you are it's almost like you're making more work for the recipient exactly and just like if you're way too long they're like oh i need to read all this and then figure out what you want me to do like no i'm just gonna skip that yeah and i think doing those two like just not sending a too long or too short email that's like 50 percent of the battle and then the last maybe 40% of people, what they, what they miss out on, they send the right length of an email, but what they miss out on is on the, the next step of the email or the, uh, the closing kind of portion of the email. Um, I wrote a post about um, the email line that's client repellent. And what, what I found was like when I, on the emails I was sending, you know, I wanted to come off professional and I wanted to, you know, let the clients know that they were able to, um, to get what they wanted from me and that, that I was going to provide something of value. So what I would do was I would end emails with like, just, just let me know uh, what you, what you need. And that, that, that felt like, it felt like pretty personal and pretty natural to kind of close an email like that. Like I, I get emails like that all the time. Right. Right. And you're not going to be, it's not like too aggressive or anything. Yeah, exactly. And, but what I found was like when I would write that nine out of 10 times, I would not get a response. And so what I started doing was I started ending the email with a like a next step or a proposed kind of solution and if and sometimes I would even include like what they what they could do if they didn't want to do that solution that that next step um and instantly I saw like clients started responding to my emails they I I just made it a lot easier for them by taking away the work of having to to decide what they want to do because you know the truth is they don't want to do anything they they rather not reply to my email so so kind of proposing that um, next step is, is, I think, the last key to that. But no, it's like I agree with what you're saying. But it's something where people, they're like, oh, well, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be like, oh, this is the next step. Like we need to do this next, do that. Like you're like, they're going to be paying me. So I want to be kind of understanding of that. But it's like, yeah, but they're going to be paying you. So don't make them figure out everything that needs to happen. Like just tell them what they need to do next so they can stop thinking about it and just get on with the rest of their business and life. Totally. And I think that's, that's a, a great uh, part to kind of underline in it. Like the, the exact thing that you're asking them to do, like decide what comes next or decide what's best. That's exactly what they're paying you for. Like, right. So uh, instead of, instead of saying you can accomplish their, the task that they want, exhibit it by accomplishing it and, and show, you know, proposing the next step, figuring it out, taking the work away from them. Right. Like it's, it's sort of like show that you're professional, that you're able to do these things and you should have somewhat of a process of how you approach these problems. So you should know like what the next step is help. Like just say, like, Hey, if you agree with this, like this is the next step, say, just say, shoot me a thumbs up and we can go up from there or set up a timeline calendar or just anything. Just make it kind of concrete like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's actually so funny. It's like for at Hubstaff, we're kind of like redoing our trial emails and we sent out some emails to previous customers who took the trial but didn't purchase. And like we were looking at like different ways of phrasing. And like one was like, hey, like if you want to start the trial back up, like just let me know. Or like kind of like a pretty vague one. But at first you're like, yeah, that seems fine. But it's like, no, like you want to make it as simple as possible for them because they probably don't want to have to try another software tool, especially if it's more work for them. And so like what we've finished on or like what we're at right now is like, if you want to start up your trial again, just re- simply reply this email with yes, and I'll get you set up personally. 
And it's like, just make it so that all they can do, all they have to do is say yes or just something simple. And that drastically increases the reply rates to any kind of email you're sending for the most part. Totally, totally. I think, I think the key there is like, once you do, once you do have the, the three things, like the right length of an email, the right title, the right uh, ending where you're proposing something and making it really easy to reply. And so all they have to do is like reply, like with like, that sounds good. And that's basically like, you'll take care of everything. Um, I think exactly that you've put yourself in the best position possible. You put your best foot forward. Um, now it's all about timing. I feel like, um, you probably send more than one email, like in your sequence, right? Like you probably follow up with them at, you know, maybe a week later and say, Hey, if you haven't responded yet, like here's another, another chance. Like there's, there's one last thing I think that, that agency owners and and freelancers don't do. And that's following up. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And that's, I think the missing, the missing piece to, to all of it to kind of put it in place is like, the timing for whatever reason, there's probably a you know ninety percent chance that at the moment that they read your email the first time, something came up. It has nothing to do with even what you wrote in the email or you know anything under your control. It's just that they were busy, they're a busy person they have you know they have a business after all, so um how can you help them by staying in in you know giving them another chance and and that's what I think. 90% of people don't do the, you know, the last remaining way to kind of ensure that you're, you're, you're on a better uh, path than everybody else is, is they stop following up. So like if there was a race, I, I heard Steli say this one time from uh, close.io, if there was a race and 90% of people just stopped running after a while, you would probably be able to win that race because, or, or at least be one of the, the 10% that, that wins by default, you know, because, you just don't stop. Yeah, you like, just yeah. don't stop until, especially if if a if a prospect has shown interest in you. I think there's no reason to stop unless they tell you no. You know, unless they give you the no. Right. No, and that was like one of my big takeaways from from kind of reading Stelly's stuff and like hearing him talk is that just how important follow ups are. And it's like I think a lot of it goes back to kind of the minds, almost not necessarily selfish, but somewhat selfish mindset people self-centered mindset people take when they're thinking about these emails because if you're looking for new clients like it's a pretty big thing like it's important to you and so you're putting all this time into figuring out who to contact how to contact them and when you send it to them you forget that they're that's just one other email in their inbox they're still running their business they still have to respond to a couple dozen other people so it's not like to them, it's not as important. And so you need to make it more important. But at the same time, if they don't respond to you, it's not personal. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the reason you don't do like you don't do the follow up and most people don't do the follow up is the same reason you get busy and you and you um, don't have time. Like you said, like you spend so much time building up your sales pipeline. You can't let that go to waste. Like even people in a workshop, um, they they get the leads delivered to them every day. They don't have to do anything. Right. So but they still don't have time to follow up. They're, you know, they're busy just like everybody else. Like, um, and that's actually one of the things I, I added to, to workshop actually. Yeah. I was going to say, I saw that it, you have like a new, uh, section of it where it's like, it shows you kind of where everyone's at in your pipeline. So, right. Yeah. So this isn't, this isn't to, you know, give the hard sell or anything. I just want to kind of talk about like the, the thought process here. Like if you don't have the system kind of to do it, like that's one of the reasons on the sales page, it says like, if you don't have a, process for emailing these leads 
you know, don't, don't sign up. Um, it's really about the system allowing yourself to not fall into the trap of being so busy that you, you know, if you're emailing 10 prospects every day, it's going to be hard to follow up with all of them just based on willpower alone. Um, and so that's why in workshop now I just added like a weekly email. So in addition to the daily email of hot prospects that have like a, a, a project going right now, you'll get a weekly email that reminds you to follow up with anybody, any of the leads that you, you know, add to this follow up list. Um, and, and like, there's no reason you have to sign up to workshop to do this. Like you could make these lists yourself. It'll take a little longer or you might have to hire somebody to do it like a, a VA or something, but creating kind of that system for yourself is possible and you, and you can do it. Like you can add a bunch of RSS, you know, job board RSS feeds to your, uh, to your RSS reader um, have that email you every day or, um, I, there's a ton of tools for emailing and following up. There's like close.io. I think we mentioned, and like you can be, you can, uh, I think there's one called like send it later, like where you remind yourself to, f- to send an email later. It's like, yeah. And then there's like boomerang. There's a few. Yeah. 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 And so you got, you got, you got to kind of bake it into your daily process is, is what it, what it comes out, comes down to. Um, no, I think that's in like, I like your approach because you even have, I don't, I forget if it's like a post or a presentation or maybe both, but where you basically lay out how somebody could copy workshop, like, like, ah, you could go to all these sites, you could do all this and like, you could build this yourself. And like the point you're stressing is like, no, a lot of this isn't rocket science. It's not super complex, but it's having a process to do it so that you actually get it done and get good results. Yeah. And like, you have to think about it kind of like any other business owner and, and kind of what it costs you to do this stuff. Like remembering to follow up is going to take a lot of effort. Um, finding these different leads is going to take a lot of your time. Um, so what I think about it is like you're charging clients hundreds of dollars per hour so that so any time you spend on anything else besides client work for an agency owner, um, that's thousands of dollars you're, you're wasting, you know, every, every month or every week, you know. And so that's why I give away I even give away like a list of all the different job boards that are out there. Um, if you sign up for my newsletter at letsworkshop.com slash freelancing. Um, you'll, you'll get like an email from me with like a, an OPML file, which you can just plug into any feed reader, like Feedly. And it, it has like, f- I think hundreds by now of job boards already in, in it. Um, and I give that away because like the, if, if it's worth it to you to spend that much time going through everything, then, um, you know, you're probably not a, a right client for me anyway. So. Right. No. And that sort of thing. And I like that approach. You're like, Hey, like, if you try you educate everyone like hey like this is how you can do it if you want to do this yourself great like go for it but like if you realize your time is more valuable than that here's my service and it, and it's not a hard sell or anything like that but it does make sense yeah if if but, i mean the customers i want are the ones that are going to read the 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 post on how to do it themselves and be like f that you know like i want i rather just pay you a couple hundred bucks a month to do it for me so right no, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, and going back to kind of what you're saying with the following up is, yeah, I think there's, it almost goes back to kind of the original fear of like emails, like not wanting to be spammy. It's like, one is, it's super easy to forget to send the follow ups, even if you know you're supposed to. But two, it's like, you just don't want to be annoying. And I liked when you said, 
if someone's shown interest in what you're doing, like they're not going to get mad at you for following up because they, they probably just got busy. And I like the, the story that Steli, who you talked about earlier, like he told that microcoff, he was like, yeah, I was trying to get this investor to invest in close.io. And it took me 42 emails to get him to respond. And one, like I've never followed up that many times. I've gone pretty far, but never 42. But he was like, no. And then when he finally responded, he said, Sally, like, I want to thank you, like, for being so persistent. I was overseas for the past month, wasn't able to get to my emails. I really want to do this deal. Thanks for following through with it. Like, let's meet up and talk. And then they finalized the deal. Like, if, if someone is, is shown willingness to talk to you, they're going to want you to talk to them. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a great story. And and the thing is, he he saw the opportunity because the, he had said, like you said, he had shown the interest, right? Like he wouldn't have followed up with somebody if they never responded, um, right? For not at least not forty two times, <laughs> no, maybe follow, yeah. maybe once a week or something like that, like you know for for three weeks and then and then maybe kind of close the loop. But but yeah, I like that story too. Yeah, and it's like there was a time where just trying to like random outreach things where it's like, yeah, sometimes people get busy and you have to remember they're running a business, like they're busy people. And so it's just following up with that and, and being polite about it. like, don't say like, Hey, why haven't you responded to this email? It's just like, just give them a gentle reminder and mention something else that they can think of. Sure. One of my favorite parts of the show was learning how my guests got their start and found those first customers. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. But when we come back, Rob's going to share how he was able to build this business from scratch. So hang tight. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork, but without all the crazy fees, where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to Hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Rob. Workshop is, for the most part, like you're kind of an agency. You, you offer productized consulting service. Like, and so how do you go about like finding customers? Like, how, Where do they just come to you naturally or is there more to it than that? Um, the, I think that a, a big portion is kind of natural and I've, I have kind of good organic search after, not at first, but that's a good chunk of my traffic, I think, now. What I think really has helped me is is uh, an automated kind of email list that I, I use Drip for, like I, I was talking about earlier, My uh, you can go to and get my newsletter um, and what that will do is like all the best essays, I, like I was talking about earlier, the, a couple of blog posts I've mentioned already, you'll get that stuff in a uh, course, an email course. So what that does for me, I think, is um, it just like some portion of people who visit my website 
um, are right for the service, but it might not be the right time. So kind of back to the, to the follow up, like that's my way of kind of following up with people who come to my website is I allow them, I'll, I give them the free stuff, the, you know, the, the job board list, the, um, the free content and stuff that, that helps agency owners land more work. And then I could just keep following up with them over the email course about joining workshop. Um, and even if they don't sign up for workshop, um, they've received a ton of value because, you know, every, I try to make every single email kind of like a little value bomb. Um, and, and so by the end of it, even if they don't sign up for workshop, like they like me, they, they've used my stuff hopefully and found that it works or it saves them time or it lands some clients and, they're open to receiving more from me in the future. Right. And it's sort of like if you with workshop, like people are getting, they're getting hot leads or getting like people who are saying, I want this project done. But, um, I was talking with, I don't know if you know, Travis Northcutt, um, but he runs a, uh, web design development agency for membership sites. And oh, he was yeah, saying, yeah. He, he made a good point where he was like, not everyone right away is ready to buy they don't have a need for it just because they're interested in it and so having kind of the newsletter the the follow-up sequence lets you keep in contact with these people so that when they are ready to buy you're there but even so like if not everyone buys like that's fine you're okay with that because um, you're able to do it somewhat at scale but it, it's there are a lot of benefits to just staying in contact with people over a longer period of time. Yeah, it goes back to like building the relationship in a in a real way as opposed to a look I'm pasting in this email to a billion people. Although I'm sort of am doing that, but it's it's building the relationship on a more one-to-one level and letting them really understand what they're buying, what they might buy and how it'll help them. Mhm. Yeah, and so I'm curious. So what is like a, a typical day like for you when you're running a workshop and just everything else you have going on? I try to use um, procrastination like to my advantage. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my like high school and college strategy. <laughs> so like I, I, I try to use my procrastination as like a way to guide me into doing the most, uh, uh, you know, I want to say like effective use of my time the the tasks that are going to result in like the biggest wins for not just me but also for for clients and customers so sometimes that means creating a feature like a follow-up list that i just you know the follow-up list i was talking about but sometimes that means writing an email to the subscribers and trying to show them how to use the follow-up list or the new feature or um sometimes it means doing a podcast like this with you and and you know, trying to help other other agencies that aren't maybe workshop customers or have never heard of me before. If you ask me what my average day is like, I, I would say stuff like walking the dog or like hanging out with my wife. Um, that's probably what I do with most of my time, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think that's like the the kind of one of the benefits of the productized consulting is that it's when you figure out the processes, when you build them all out, it's easier to have a good work-life balance. Yeah. And I, I do automate stuff as much as I can and outsource stuff as much as I can. Um, and I think that's that's big too is like you, if you own an agency, like, yeah, you can do every little tiny thing like find leads or follow up with people. But some of it can be 
processized. I don't know if that's a word, processized. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it one. I'll add it to Urban Dictionary for you. <laughs> you know, it can be turned into a process where you just follow the guidelines. And, and that's one thing I've, I've suggested for people in my service is, is to, to get the book and share it with their team. So that way it's not just them that has to do all of the outreach to these leads. They can buy workshop, share it with their team, have their entire, you know, an entire team uh, emailing these leads and contacting these new opportunities and have a, a really vibrant pipeline at all times and even have like a follow-up list that's all on one page and they can kind of track, um, tag different conversations and stuff uh, that they're having. And so, um, I definitely think kind of outsourcing it and using leveraging kind of a team is is smart for for an agency. Yeah, I had um, Brian Castle on the show. Oh, he's the king of that. Bit. Yeah, no, like that's the thing. It's like just talking to him, like wow, like because I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things. Like everyone knows we should automate things. People do it to different levels of it, but then like talking to him, you're just like, wow, I don't do it anywhere near as much as I could. And so it's cool. Like what I really like about what he was saying is like, yeah, like I technically only need to spend four hours a month running my business. But he's like, but I spend more than that. I still work on it full time. And so that gives him the time to work on growing the business. I'm making it more efficient. I'm making it better and getting it bigger. It comes down to the processes. It comes down to setting it all in place so you can work on, like you said, it's like work on the things that have the biggest impact. And if you're constantly scrambling for clients, if you're constantly worried about where the next paychecks are going to be coming from, like it's really hard to sit down and do that. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's just not, like you said, the best use of your time at, at a certain point. Like if you can pay 200 bucks for a service like workshop and then pay maybe a team to, you know, some portion of like an hourly rate that you charge to, to help you land clients, like you're trading a couple hundred dollars for thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, why aren't you making, like, that's a great trade, you know, like, um, and that's what I think building up a process or, or automating stuff will, will do for you in your business. What tools do you use to sort of make this running this business easier for you? I think I mentioned drip a little earlier. I, I use drip for the email marketing and the email courses um, I use Basecamp to to talk to my team a lot. Um, I actually just took over Folio, a, a private job board. Um, it's Folio.me, and it's it, right now it's just for designers. And it, it um, so I've been working on that a lot lately, and and I use Basecamp for that. Um, and then I'm in a like a Slack community. I'm not I'm not the biggest Slack user, but I'm in there, and I. I have one of my one of my uh, friends and and de- developers who helps me a lot with workshop is in there, so we we're constantly shooting things back and forth. Um, and I don't use like a ton of software to be honest. I'm very uh, paired back with with what I use. I think Basecamp and Drip are probably the biggest ones for me, and Stripe. But Stripe is just kind of a unnecessary in the background. Yeah, yeah. Huh. like I think Patrick McKenzie posted a list of like all the software he's used at like appointment reminder or like different services. Like I've seen other like SaaS companies do it too. And you're just like, wow, like that's like pages long of different tools doing this and that. And like, if you can get it, if you have a big enough team and like you can make it work, I see how it could be more efficient. But at a certain point too, it's like, it almost becomes a job in and of itself to keep up with everything. So it can be good to have the more pared down 
um, kind of the essentials. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of, one of the reasons, like, Workshop, when I started it, like, it all works over email. So you, like, literally don't have to ever sign in to Workshop. Once you buy it, like, you just get a daily email. And this this is not to keep giving, like, the sales pitch or whatever. <laughs> this is just to, to uh, piggyback off what you said. Like, you don't need a million tools so much. It's more about the actions that happen. And and that's why workshop is just like a daily email you get, and you you click off and can and can email the the people I'm sending you know the leads I'm I'm telling you to contact f- directly from your inbox. Obviously, you don't have to sign into an app or or you know that there's a lot of stuff that just kind of gets in the way at, at at a certain point. Like, and I think trying to cut through that and get to the meat of what you're doing. So if you're contacting leads, like don't let something get in the way of or stop you of contacting that lead. Try to make it as clear of a process as possible. It's almost like the same reason why, like it's a lot of the same fundamentals for how to write good emails. It's like, don't let, um, don't have too much fluff with it. Don't have this, don't have that. It's like, it's keeping it simple as thinking about the, the recipient. And for you, it's like, no, like I know these agencies, they have to run a business. They're using a dozen other tools. Like, I don't want to give them one other thing that they need to use. Like it just kind of works. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. I've had like a couple customers actually set up a, a personal email. I mean, a, a custom email for, for workshop in specific. And what they do is they share that with their entire team. So like they set up, you know, how you can do with like the uh, email forwarding, they set up an account like workshop at agency.com and then that forwards to their entire team. And so they have, you know, tying back to not having to sign into software or, or, you know, a lot of job boards, they make you sign into their, like Behance, I think you have to sign into, uh, to use it to contact the, the job opportunities or, or like, uh, or dribble. You have to kind of, you know, use it. So well, at least with me, when I, when I create a, a product or something I want to sell, I try to make it, not force you to use it so much, but force you to to get the best results, I guess. Hmm. No, and so so with that, like, what what do you see as the sort of the future for Workshop? Like, where do you see things going going forward? Um. Well, I'm excited about the follow up list feature. That's that's something that's brand new. I just did it in, in January. Um, I'm excited to see how that helps more people land more of the, of the work because they'll, it makes it easier to follow up. And I'm also excited about folio and, and bringing that into the mix, um, which is the private job board. That's kind of separate from workshop, but, but right now that's what I'm working on kind of full time is, uh, that new feature for workshop and, and folio and trying to get folio to, cause folio has like extremely high quality job posts on it all the time. And there hasn't been very much done with it lately, so I'm excited about kind of incorporating these two things so that there's even more value there for workshop members. Um, and then the, the last couple things I have lined up in the near future is creating um, some content that I'm I'm kind of playing around with that will be uh, maybe like a microsite or a, you know very specific type of. I don't know if it'll end up being a book or a just a website that helps you with a few different things. Um, I like I've created in the past uh, a feedback template for for agencies to like be able to ask clients for feedback and and be able to use it in uh, any basically any situation, but so that they don't get like these bullet points of like rant like uh, random and and 
you know how clients they don't always know how to give feedback. Properly, right, right. Properly. It's to make it like a more consistent way. Yeah, exactly. So, so kind of stuff like that, and and I'm hoping to kind of be able to tailor it with um, best practices of like people I really admire, like Brendan Dunn and Mike Montero and stuff like that. And so, um, I'm working on that right now too. Nice. Well, it sounds like you kind of have your, your plate full of bit. It might be, might cut into the walking the dog time, but it's, you should be all right, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of get everything linked up in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about, about you, about workshop or folio, like where, where would you recommend they go? Uh, let's workshop.com. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, Robert, it was great chatting with you. So thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I had a good time. Robert really doesn't hold back and basically gave you step-by-step plans to rip off his service and just do it yourself. Get a little meta here, but this is actually a really good content marketing lesson. Give away your content until it hurts. Most agencies that do content marketing stop well before giving away their secret sauce, but Robert gives it all away because the people he wants to work with are the ones who recognize the value of what he offers and understand that there are better uses of their time when you can just pay him to do it for you. But if money's tight or you have the extra resources, then he even encourages you to give it a try yourself by following these key lessons. First, focus on activities that directly lead to results. Talk to potential clients instead of trying to make your portfolio look pretty. Nobody cares about your portfolio. Then, have a process in place that you follow even when you have more client work than you can handle. Don't just wait until things are bad to actually start looking for new clients. When you find prospects, spend time to understand them and their needs so your emails actually get read. And finally, don't quit after just one email. Follow up until you get a no. If you already have a prospecting process in place that you follow whether or not you need the work right away, then you're ahead of 90% of the agencies out there. Congrats. But regardless of where you're at, I know Robert was able to give a ton of actionable advice that can get your agency where it needs to be. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and head over to iTunes to leave a review. Reviews really help our rankings in iTunes and help us reach an even wider audience. So if you could spare just a minute to do that, I'd really appreciate it. Next week, I'm going to be talking with Jake Jorgovan of Outbound Creative, and we'll learn how a literal message in a bottle landed him one of his first clients and how he helped another agency grow using Donald Trump pinatas. Yeah, this is a good one. Talk to you next week. See ya.